So today we're going to be focusing on Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, uh, and it's about the Pharisees uh, being critical of Jesus and Jesus' disciples in regards to the Sabbath. So to get us thinking, what is, uh, if you have the, if you imagine a day, Connor, uh, that it's it's just it's a very filling day, a relaxing day, a comforting day, however you'd frame that, what would your ideal day be? Sure. So I, I really I really love this question, and I think it's I, – I'm just really excited to talk about this whole episode because I think it just brings up, man, a couple of things, and I'm super passionate about legalism and, and, and the Sabbath. And, and so for me, I actually try to practice uh, taking a Sabbath, Every single week, I think it's a really important part of of just my maturity and my, my growth in Christ. And so my ideal Sabbath is I get off work on a Friday around around 9 or 10 o'clock. I come home, I shower, I wash all the grime, both emotionally and uh, physically off myself from the week. Not that I don't shower earlier in the week, but you, you know what I mean. Maybe I'm a little bit more thorough. That might be too much information. Anyways, <laughs> I, 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 there's some things I pray through. Uh, I, there's some things that I just, I, I talk through with God. I always like have a certain set of like worship songs I listen to on the way home. And, and then that kind of starts off, that starts off my Sabbath. And so, uh, usually on the Friday after I get off work about 10 o'clock to Saturday around 10 o'clock is kind of what I consider my Sabbath. And so, so I, I, yeah, I'll have that kind of contemplative prayer to set up my day, to set up my expectations for it. Almost always my Sabbath will include some sort of uh, special meal that my wife and I cook together. Some sort of like, hey, we're going to go a little bit extra for this. We're going to really enjoy the goodness of what food can be. And because it's my wife, it's usually healthier than if I was just making it, which is ultimately good and honoring to God as well. And so, yeah, eating good food is a part of it. My ideal Sabbath usually involves reading, I, I, like reading a specific book, taking time to really um, dive into something. Also, during the summer, sometimes my wife and I would like to go hammock on during these times during our Sabbath day, uh, and that's also a great opportunity to to, to do that. Uh, also included on my Sabbath is, you know, I getting to spend special time with my wife. I think that's a vital, in fact, historical part of, of the Sabbath. That's, that's a way that um, the Jewish people have celebrated that day for, you know, basically since the beginning of time. And so I go to sleep. I sleep in as late as I want on Saturday morning. And then I usually have uh, banana pancakes with my wife and that's kind of the end of it. So that's, it's not the perfect day, but it is like the ideal rest and relaxing and, and who God is and, um, and his, just his beautiful creation. That is really impressive to me. Uh, really impressive. Um, I am the before picture of your after, uh, you're the after picture of success, uh, relative, yeah, I can honestly say, and I didn't even see this coming until we just started talking about it, but I don't take regular Sabbath at all, at all. Um, when we first started talking about this, is I, my, my thought was, well, I'll make sure everything's done mm-hmm. for, the, for the week. That, that, my work is never done. There's always something more to do, but, but I've covered everything. I will relax. Um, but mostly I, I'm either talking with, with people and that, that's a part of Sabbath for me. Cause that's not, if people are coming to me and they're only talking about, Hey, I have this problem. Can you help me solve this problem? Um, that's not restful to me, but, but sitting this right here in, in many ways is, is Sabbath feeling to me. It's renewing, uh, within itself. But honestly, I usually am not that intentional with the time. And so it gets filled in with clutter you know, yeah. just frankly. And so I would have to, to give this even a legitimate answer. I'd have to say, okay, in those times when I think, man, I feel the pressure of, uh, call it burnout, or I, I just feel this building and I d- I'd have to reference that. But sadly, it's not regular. Like I'm even convicted in your telling. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Like I have negotiable time. I could do that. I just am never intentional about it. So this is certainly one of those areas where I'm like, man, I see I see you responding to God in a way that that I do not respond to God. Uh, and I usually only move there as a result of, man, I, e- either I've got a big decision looming, I uh, and I usually have to get away. There, I, I'm not a nature person, but I do need to get outside. 
um, and focus. And then I'll do a lot of contemplative prayer and, and just sure. reflection, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I just, I'm really challenged by this, honestly. Well, I mean, that's, that's really honoring. Um, this is something that I've only really picked up in the past, in the past year or so. And I would just say, and if anybody feels like, like I'm the after picture, I, I like, I get the ideal Sabbath. I don't know. Once, once a month, maybe if that, there's always something that comes up. There's always some emergency or there's always, you know, or I just really want to spend the day scrolling on my phone and that's deeply unhealthy. And so I kind of ruined my Sabbath that way. And so, um, these are my, that's kind of my ideal that I strive after. It's the, it's the abstaining from the creative work and, and just resting and, and who God has made me to be. And so hopefully we'll get to unpack that a little bit more in the episode. So hello, my name is Connor and I'm Jason, and you are listening to the amazed and perplexed podcast. So as I said earlier, we're going to be reading from uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Just want to remind you, and if you're a, a long-time listener, uh, then you know this, but I just want to remind you, the whole purpose of what we're doing is we've had life experience, we've had studies, and certainly Connor's already indicated uh, a passion for some of these concepts, but this is not we studied it for hours and now here are our conclusions. This is us practicing being amazed and perplexed by God's Word. And, and listening for God right now. His Word is always living and active and always wanting to teach us. And so for you as the listener, I'd encourage you just, uh, whether you're driving around, exercising, you know, sitting around, how, whatever your context is, uh, create a little space in your heart and just ask God, not, not so much to speak to you through us, although that's great too, but just that He would speak to you uh, in any way, including the reading of this passage. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So as you take that in, the living and active Word of God, what, what is speaking to you? What amazes you about this? Well, one, there was kind of a thing that I'd never really contemplated before. There's so many times where I see things in, in the text, somebody acting a particular way or doing something, and I, I see myself in them. Uh, more and more lately, there's just been this like big <laughs> cultural divide that, that comes up and it there's just kind of the silly funny thing of imagining myself oh, I'm gonna follow like I get transported back 2,000 years ago I'm gonna follow Jesus uh, and then what that actually looks like is you know grazing in a field and and you know eating <laughs> eating grains and that, that that was a pretty common practice but that, something like that is always amazing to me uh, but kind of more I guess deeper deeper than that I, mean, I guess you can be the judge if it's it's deeper what I love about this, what so like the, what's happening around this basically is that the Pharisees have taken a good, right and true practice, the Sabbath, and they've corrupted it and they turn it around and they have uh, basically they have made their own way how to do it. They've added to the Word of God. They've said they've taken um, they've taken the Sabbath and they said, yeah, the Sabbath is good, but here's a lot of extra rules you have to follow to really be in line with God. Here's what you really have to do. And so what would end up happening practically is that these people would end up basically worshiping the Sabbath. They had a list of rules they had to keep. They had to do things in an exact specific way. And it became this practice. It would almost become more cumbersome than it would become life-giving. And that's what the Sabbath is for. It's meant to give life. It's meant to be part of the rhythm of our existence. God, when he creates the world, he establishes the work and the rest pattern in Genesis 1 and that reality, that fabric is woven into all of existence. And so when we corrupt that, when we become workaholics or when we become lazy, we're corrupting the very essence of what God has woven into the reality of our existence. And so for the Pharisees, they're taking something good and right and they're corrupting it and they're altering how these people are experiencing life. And it's this terrible, sad, sad thing. And these Israelites, they begin to they begin to worship the Sabbath as 
as the destination. And when Jesus comes in and says, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath, it's just this fantastic reminder for me that of all the walls we build up, all the systems we try to create, the end goal is to worship Jesus, is to be in line with Jesus, is to experience God and experience his goodness and his um, flourishing life that he wants to give us. And so for me, man, it's just so, it's so incredible. Every time I come into a, I, I come to a passage like this that just reminds me of the reality that that God is in control and that all these systems and all these ways of doing things um, that sometimes I can see as cumbersome or I can see them as weighty or, or too heavy on me, God wants to strip all those back and at the bottom of them is he just wants to be closer to us. And that's pretty incredible to me. That is. I, I will tell you, um, this is uh, my day of learning, certainly, and it's always learning, but but that... I, I'm always encouraged with your holistic approach. Uh, and I realize I was raised the opposite. I was raised on, and there's good words for this that I don't have, but I was raised on what's this verse mean? Not even in context. It's just mm-hmm. like you take it out as topical. And even you tying that all together, and, and I believe this in general, my sin, the issue with my sin is not that God's mad at me now. Oh, I sinned. What's your punishment? What's fair? You know, that's not the issue. The issue is my sin is I'm I'm leaving alignment with God. God has God has a way that I would thrive and have abundant life in Him, and I would impact the kingdom with like every move I make. And my sin is I'm not aligned with Him, and so it's 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 diminishing now because of God's amazing wisdom. He can take whatever I do and make it beautiful in its time, even my deep failures. But but there there is a way that he designed us to work with him that we're always bucking against. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's missing the mark. That that's sin. And then you have these specific manifestations of sin that that we identify as oh you were you were you you sinned not that you're angry but in your expression of anger or you you stole or you, these kind of things you know. And so but this idea of considering it is me missing the mark when I'm not more intentional about resting. About, I mean, it, it's funny. All these resting apps mm-hmm. fall to sleep listening to this, you know, yeah. and and those wouldn't exist clearly if we have a whole nation of people that aren't getting enough sleep. Now that's physical sleep, and we understand that to get good physical sleep, I mean, maybe you can even medicate yourself. But even if you, even even if I'm medicating myself, which I do at times, I don't mean to you know disparage that. I have much better sleep if I'm at peace. And the way I find peace is not solving the problems. The way I find peace is resting in God being the Lord of it. And so this is amazing to me in a whole different way. After hearing you unpack it, I'm like, yeah, th- this is a holistic approach. And Jesus always is. But I sometimes will water it down to, okay, what's the doctrine here? And and there is doctrine. Doctrine meaning here's the way you should do this, you know. But But the real key is he is always bringing us back to our ultimate spiritual health. And when you hear that, you might hear selfish. No, 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 no. I'm talking our ultimate alignment with God. He's saying, he's saying, Pharisees, you don't understand uh, what, or, or you do, and you're in, intentionally corrupting it. But either way, it's being corrupted. You don't understand. This was meant to connect you with, with God and cause you to be at peace, which then will cause you to get better sleep, and it will cause you to make better decisions, and da, 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 this cascading effect of God's glory in your life which we limit by not just saying, and this is the Pharisees' problem, they're like, it's not enough for him to say, rest on the Sabbath. We need to make sure we qualify. What qualifies for rest? Yes. And see, for me, like we talked earlier about in in kind of the opening of the show, I kind of have the rhythm for how I want to practice my Sabbath. If I'm not really careful and I'm not constantly checking myself, that can become the the be-all, end-all. That can become the Sabbath itself. That can be what I'm after. And I have to really check myself if something interrupts me or somebody calls me because they need their like need my help with something or whatever happens to interrupt that. There's this initial like, oh, how dare you? This is my this is my time. This is my this is my moment to reconnect with God. And I had these plans of how I was gonna do X, Y, and Z. And so for me, this is where this the story becomes really helpful is I have to constantly be checking myself of okay why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Like we're recording Thursday. Why am I going to do the things I'm going to do tomorrow? Is it because I really like to hammock or is it because I really like to read 
or are the all the and those things are all true and they're good and they're right but or is the overarching theme of why i'm doing them is because they they bring me closer to god and they give me a better picture of his goodness of his kindness of his creativity and i think that that's true of all time but i think it's really good that we're focusing now on specifically when we rest Uh, and so that I, that just kind of leads me to an, a natural next question. I really struggle with rest versus distraction, right? Um, I really struggle with, okay, I've done all my work for the day. I've gotten home. I'm, you know, I, all the chores are done. And man, there's just so much stuff going on. There's politics, there's sports. And you know what? I'm just going to unplug and and watch Netflix for, you know, two to three hours. And that's, that's fine. That's good. But I think for, for me, I really struggle with differentiating that time, like my video game time or my, or my Netflix time versus actually resting. Um, and so I, I'm sure that this is, so this is something that I, I would be interested in kind of hearing your perspective on. Um, do you have any experience where, or any, any sort of mental checks that you do um, to, to find, to, I don't know, to find the difference or to, um, or to be able to use both. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's the challenge we always face. When we talk about any spiritual practice, I think our human, maybe especially our American, but, but in general, our minds go to performance. Mm-hmm. How do I do it well? Will I do it well? Did I do it well? And then we can find our identity in the doing it well. You know, that's not... And, and we said this before, but it goes back to the, you know, let's do an all-night prayer. Jesus didn't do an all-night prayer. Jesus went out and prayed, and he kept praying, and then suddenly it had been all night. Like, like he didn't do it as a spiritual discipline in the sense that it was disconnected. Jesus had an ongoing conversation with God that he called his life. And, and that's what God is calling us to. So there's a way that you could theoretically watch Netflix. Now, this is the thing, what content are you watching? But there's a way that you could watch Netflix that it was more than just a distraction, Mm. you know? And it's not just if it's Christian programming. I mean, it could could be any number of things if you're in the right frame of mind. As long as you have one of those old DVD players that took out the... And took the, out the curse words. Or, video angel? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's yeah. the newer version. Right, right, right. But yeah. I had friends that had the, like, cool DVD that, like, I don't know how I don't know how it did this, but when it sensed that something was coming up that was bad, it would, like, change the word. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was... Anyway, the, um, yeah, yeah. So, so it the key here is we tend to think if I can just get the circumstances right, then I'll be able to really connect with God. And God's saying, and I'm not suggesting, you know, people advocate, get a closet, get a time, you know, do all these. And those are good things. They're not bad things. But what I found is for the majority of humanity that that want to walk with God, something happens where that can't be consistent and they're either abusing themselves, accusing themselves of I'm just no good at this, or they make it their God. Yeah. And and so and and so I'm all for we do not need to deny Circum, like positions of the body makes a difference. If I'm on my knees, I think differently than if I'm sitting in a chair and, you know, these kind of things. So I'm not saying they're not, that's not important. The The key though, the thing that must be there is, are you having an honest conversation with God? God, I just watched Netflix for whatever time. And um, how, how's that affect me? I, I just, I just, I just read the Bible for two hours. How's that affect me? I just prayed. I just slept. I took a good nap. How's it affect me? And and you're asking God to show you. See, the challenge is we think that either we have to have a good strategy or at the very least we need to be able to have a good analysis. How many things have you done in your life that you didn't see it benefited you till 10 years later? I think about, so some of the best memories I have with my two older brothers are us at like two in the morning watching bad horror movies, like watching like poorly made ones and just laughing together and talking about talking over the movie and just being in hysterics because it was ridiculous and it was two in the morning. And I had fun during those times, but I look back now, which would have been probably eight, eight or nine years ago. And man, those are some of like, like when I think about like my brothers and I think about the good times, there are times I go back when I'm really little, but like, you know, in my more adult conscious life, those are like, those memories are really cherished and that they, they bond me to those, to those guys. And I think there can be the same sort of thing where with, with God, 
um, where you can have a particular practice that if you have the correct mindset of I'm gonna watch this, I'm gonna watch this movie with my family and it's gonna draw us together and it's gonna be a common experience that it can be something that if you don't have the proper mindset, it can just be a oh, fun distraction and it was good, wholesome stuff, or it can be something that you get to see part of part of God with. Yeah, you know, I, I just think what's really important is we have to own the fact that we don't know what brings us life. We have a sense, but since God's always working with us and changing us, that alone is should send a signal. I need to keep talking to God about this. So, so the way you read the Bible, if that's the way you've always read the Bible and you're getting life from that, that's awesome. But if you read the Bible and you're like, man, there's no life there, then try something different. Try another way to connect. But the key here isn't the adopting of the appropriate technique. The key is talking to God honestly about it. And I think what happens is you're like, well, I'm not good at reading the Bible, or I'm not good at prayer, or I'm not good at this, or we're constantly saying, I need to do this more, I need to do this more. Stop saying that and talk to God about it. Yeah. And Which is weird because you're like, so you're proposing that I talk to God and say, I really stink at prayer, and I'm not even interested in praying to you. And you're praying while you're saying that to God. And and this is the thing. We still struggle. I think most Christians still struggle with this idea that God gave us his word. Now it's up to us to just practice it all. And, and the challenge is that's not what Jesus did. Jesus says, I don't do anything except what God tells me in real time. And it's not to say he wasn't referencing something he learned five or ten years ago. But it is saying this was a constant conversation he was having with God. And this applies to everything, but specifically with rest. If you get to the end of your day and you're like, I feel totally dissatisfied, start talking to God about that. Don't even think of it as prayer. Mm -hmm. Think of it as, you know, a lot of times, and motivation really matters. A lot of times people say, I didn't get anything out of counseling. And if I'm able to talk honestly with them, if they feel free, and I'll say to them, what did you bring? Well, I didn't tell my counselor this, and I never shared that because that would be embarrassing. And I'm like, and I never really invested, and I never did anything they told me to do outside of the, the sessions. And I want to say, you didn't experience counseling. Yeah. You, you paid a bunch of money or to, to tell somebody only these few things, so they couldn't help you. And I think it's even worse with God, where we feel like, I really feel angry with God, but I couldn't tell God that. I really feel judgmental about myself because this is the first time I prayed in 10 years. And God's like, let's start right now then. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that happens. Like, oh, I'm not good at prayer, and I just, I don't even know where I'd start. I mean, you start right there, and I think the same thing is true for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is actually... It's it's part of one of the Ten Commandments. It's always funny because you look at like a, a secular society. Most people are going to agree with most of the Ten Commandments. Most people are going to agree that you shouldn't, you know, kill people. It's probably not good to, you know, commit adultery. Oh, oh it's good not to steal. Like most of the things are, are pretty good. But then you get to this weird one of, of keeping the Sabbath. And I think that a lot of secular people and a lot of um, Christian people will read that and just completely completely glaze over it. If if I came to you, Jason, and I was like, I'm having a really hard problem uh, not stealing. And I just, I don't know, I don't know where to, how do I, how do I stop stealing? Like, where do I start? Or I'm having a hard time gossiping it. Like, and I really struggle with it. I think one of the first things you would, you would say, well, stop doing it right now. And I would say the same thing to somebody who's saying, well, I don't have a full day, Connor. I don't have a full day to, um, to do a Sabbath. And I've been at seasons in my life where that's the case and I'm sure I'll enter into seasons where that's that's the case although I I wanted to make it a priority to always have the possibility of doing that but when I was working for a church you know most people will consider their sabbath on a sunday sundays were the most exhausting days for me mm-hmm. there was no way that that was going to be a sabbath for me because it was working it was it wasn't resting and so I would just encourage you if this is not a practice that you've ever really considered doing or or tried and when you hear this, you're like, well, I've got X, Y, and Z I've got to do. And there's when, when is the time going to be? I work an odd schedule. Uh, my kids are X, Y, and Z old. They've got this going on. I'll just fi- find an hour. Find an hour sometime in the next week after you listen to this to just take an hour and rest and breathe and be okay where you are, who you are, because God is who he is. And so, and then, and then you can work on expanding it and then you can work on trying different things and, and moving about. But I would just encourage you in the same way that you become a better prayer by just starting and and praying more and talking to God and being open and honest, part of the way you become a better rester. And we don't, we talk about becoming better workers, but we very rarely talk about becoming better resters. Part of the way you become a better rester is by starting, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that that would be my encouragement. One thing that just popped in my head is there are some of you listeners that may be saying, "Wait a minute, we're not Jewish. 
yeah, it's in the Ten Commandments. Jesus you know, was, was yeah, well, Jesus was, yeah, that's true. Um, but it, in Hebrews, it talks about, you know, it, it establishes, hey, here's what the Sabbath was. This is in Hebrews 4. You can check this out. Here's what the Sabbath was. But now every day, that is today, which means every day, is your Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And so the, what we're advocating is, man, if you can find a date, there's something about that that is really healing and energizing, especially if you can do it on a regular basis. But what, what Connor is saying here, if and maybe you need to think, man, I, I'd be lucky to rest for five minutes. Okay, rest for five minutes. Don't perform rest. Just rest. And and talk to God and people are like, well, when I pray, I start thinking about what I'm going to eat at Wendy's. I'm like, okay, then pray about what you're going to eat at Wendy's. I mean, just keep turning it over like a conversation. where and, you're in, and some of us don't talk at all, and some of us talk all the time. As a person that speaks stream of consciousness, I found it so unhelpful to say, stop thinking that and stop thinking this. But rather, and this is just what works for me, praying about God, clearly I'm very concerned about what I'm going to eat today. I, I trust you to bring me that. And what happens is I'm relieved of that thought, at least for a while. And so I, I think just that idea of, of and, and resting isn't prayer, but oftentimes the way we stay in a restful state is we keep talking to God. And we can't be good, we can't, can't be good pray, prayers, we can't be good followers of Jesus if we're not we're not resting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things that if if I was chronically lazy, which I, certainly at times I've struggled with, there'd be people in my life who would come to me. And if, and if I was really failing and I was not providing and I was not showing up to work, there'd be people who would come to me and say, that's a problem, Connor. You're not honoring what God, the way God has created you to be and you're not honoring the people around you. I mean, I would say the same person who's a workaholic, if you're not finding time to truly rest, you are robbing yourself and you're robbing your family and you're ultimately robbing God. And so... You know, d- d- like, are you commanded to take a full day Sabbath? No, no, you're not commanded to do it, but you're also not commanded to eat. You're not commanded to drink. Resting is as natural to us as those things. God wove it into you in the womb. The rhythm of working and resting is as natural as it can be. And so do you have to do it? No, no, you don't. You get to. And I would just encourage you that as you begin to to practice this this art practice the art of resting and stopping god will bless you in holy new and and cool ways and you don't do it for the whole and cool new ways but i I, i'm just promising you um man just just take a breath and and rest if this is nothing that is something that you have never done so jason yes turning on um what perplexes you about this passage? So at this dynamic of as Jesus is interacting with them and he is, you know, the dynamic that, that I guess really, really gets to me is seeing Jesus, Jesus's uh, status, maybe is the, is the word I'm looking for. You'd mentioned that these these men are taking the grain, you know, they're going through this grain field that they didn't plant. And so they're taking these heads of grain. We already covered the parable of the shrewd manager. Like, what is this a theft passage? You know, as someone said. And and what it is, this is an indication of their poverty. Like the old testament, the Jewish laws were you have to leave a certain amount of your land, of your grain fields, not um uh, what do you say? You don't reap it uh, because you leave that for the poor, you know? So, so it just, it, it so th- here's this thing. Jesus has no power in their society. He has no credentials, mm-hmm. n- not, not normal uh, forms of power. He has no credentials. He's not aligned with a, a certain rabbi that would distinguish him. Um, he has no money. You know, which this is something, thinking Jesus, it's an interesting lens to look at. Jesus is the poorest, intentionally poorest guy in the room. And I'm not honoring, I'm not saying if you're poor, you're more honorable, but I am saying that's an interesting lens to look through, Mm -hmm. is that Jesus says repetitively, I basically depend on the kindness of strangers in our vernacular, but he's depending on God fully. And so here he is walking through, so you have this demonstration of if we're to see it through Jewish eyes and they're saying, yeah, Jesus' followers were eating this grain field, I don't think it's, a, it's presented as a snack. I think it's like, oh, they're the poor in this story, you know what I mean? And which would usually say the powerless. And then, and it's interesting that the Pharisees do not ask, well, no, they're asking him. They're, they're asking him. 
and he refers to David at his poorest place. David, when he eats this showbread, he's on the run yeah. from Saul, meaning he has well, he has not only nothing, but now he's about to be persecuted for an extended time, eventually going to go up to their enemies to find some comfort. And so it's in these desperate spots. Jesus was in this desperate spot. Now, here's the perplexing part for me. The perplexing part is when I feel that way, I feel I have nothing to offer. Mm. And here he's saying he's Lord of the whole deal, which that's an interesting phrase. And I don't know, maybe sure. we can dig into that. But 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 it's this fascinating thing that I don't know how when I'm in situations and feel like I have no power here. I do my best work by not exploding on people. That's what I think. Don't don't explode because when I feel helpless, I feel like I got to push back. I got to assert myself. I got to find some power. And and I don't think about it as power in the traditional sense, but it's just that idea I need to find my place here or I withdraw. And Jesus doesn't just withdraw. He owns this. Yes. And and I'm not the Lord of the Sabbath. He is, but I'm part of the Lord of Sabbath's work. So so that's a perplexing thing to figure out. How do I move from feeling totally powerless to not letting that situation control me? That's really good. I had not, not even approached it from from where you where you came from. In my mind, I'm just I'm immediately going to the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm like, why why is it the same way for me? Why do I struggle? Why do I why is my instinct to grab power, to, to gain more power in a situation to control something? And I think it's because sometimes I, I don't believe blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, mm-hmm. blessed are the, I sometimes I think, I, I think you were just saying that. And I think it's very convicting for me. I think why I struggle with it is I don't truly believe that. I don't believe the humble are honored and I don't believe the poor are honored in the way that I like to think that they are. And so that's really convicting. Another thing that you you said that really blew up in my mind, it sent fireworks throughout my brain and there's plenty of room in there. There's very little brain. So it's just, you know, (laughs) the fireworks going off constantly is Jesus is the least powerful person in the room, quote unquote, they're out in the field, but he's the least powerful person in, in the room and the Pharisees come and they give him power. Like the Pharisees mm. are trying to trap him, are trying to, to take away power that he is not taking for himself. And by doing that, by confronting him, by giving him a chance to, to, to talk to, 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 for people to hear him, they're actually doing the exact opposite of what they're doing. And I just love, there's so many things that I love that Jesus does. And when Jesus turns things on their head and when he subverts negative actions of people against them I, I just love that so much and i had not even connected that until you until you said that that basically the pharisees while trying to bring jesus down give him more power that is fascinating and that's a message for me i'm like if i can relax in god which is as we said she's having this ongoing restful conversation with god that that showed him and the spirit's working to show him what to do what to say that if i would just rest god would bring me in and you know this happens to me I have found myself in positions where I had no power, and all of a sudden, I'm not this same dynamic, but but all of a sudden, I find myself in a place of leadership or a place of influence. And by power, I don't mean I'm controlling things. I mean, I'm able to influence in a way I want to, meaning, in this case, I want to influence for God, influence for good. And I've sometimes I freeze because I'm like, oh, wait, now, now I have power. Now what do I do with it? You know what I mean? And it's because in neither space am I relaxed, but I need to relax when I have no power. Or feel, and, and we understand Jesus is the Son of God, so He has power. But we're talking about He wasn't recognized as powerful. But you're exactly right. It's because Jesus was was calm, not not as a technique, but He was just centered on Christ so much, or centered on God so much. He was calm that as they came at Him to try to shut Him down, He became more and more powerful, which is which is greatly ironic, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it is, and but it's still, it's like okay. This shows up in my life when I'm in my, when I'm with Heather, my wife, and all of a sudden I'm, I feel a little bit backed in the corner. I, like I've made growth because I used to blow up. I, I've had big anger issues in my life, but I don't blow up. But I just go quiet, and I'm like, okay, it's good if I'm quiet listening, talking to God. It's not good if I'm quiet because I'm just saying, when will you shut up? Yes, I've never thought that Heather. <laughs> I, but but it's that idea, you know, that wait, there's a third option here. There's this God option of relaxing in Him. And if I need oh, to good. exert myself in some way, he'll he'll lead me there. So it's that recognizing, like a lot of times we feel like if we're put in a position where we don't have any power or we can't, you know, influence people in the way that we think we should be able to influence it, like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything. Like I'm 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 stuck. Like God like what's gonna happen because of this? The 
you know, my group is going to fail. The church is going to fail. And I, I think the message that I, I am kind of taking from this and, and many times I've, I've heard this and, and seen this, but that's a moment for me to say, okay, this is, this is where the kingdom works gets done. So when I, when I feel like I can't do anything, when I feel like I am just useless and I'm I, I, like, I have nothing to offer. Jesus comes to me and says, yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the meek. This is where I want to build my kingdom. And I think, man, that is just so, that's so helpful for me. So thank you for, for saying that. Well, yeah, absolutely. So what is perplexing to you? When anybody, you know, comes, comes to faith, they, they usually kind of have a, a process where they, they go to their preacher, they go to their pastor and, you know, they begin to read specific people in their group and they begin to um to take in or, and hear different sermons now listen to different podcasts and and read books and, and just kind of really take in as much information as possible at least that's kind of the anecdotal path of of people who kind of just accepted jesus and and one of the things that was so so shocking for me is that when i kind of got outside of my own group as as i progressed in my faith and i became more mature i began to read more and more people um people like um tim mackey or, or john mark comer and i read an entire book on the sabbath by john mark comer and it just opened up for me and i'm like oh my gosh like that like of course like it makes sense like it's it's woven throughout not just reality, but the Bible. The Bible is, is constantly drawing on this theme of resting in, in who God is and practicing Sabbath. And, and so for, for me, the, the perplexing thing, the perplexing thing is, is why do we allow this? You know, the idea of practicing a Sabbath is, is not, I mean, it's obviously the, the Jewish people have been doing it for thousands of years in, in the timeline of God. It's been since the beginning, since the seventh day of creation, that the Sabbath has been happening. And for me, it's something that I've just, has just come online in the past year. And, and so it's not even specifically related around the Sabbath, but that's happened so many different times for different practices and, and different um, ways of thinking or different ways of interacting with scripture. And, and it just, it, it makes me so sad that for, for selfishly for me that I lived a long time and I, I this is a very basic kind of Christian practice that have been that many different denominations and many different people um, ha, have have practiced the Sabbath in this specific way and because of where I grew up that was just something that was shut off from me and I it, it, it perplexes me that we allow that to happen um, and, and I look at this passage and I've heard people talk about use this passage as a way to say, well, we don't have to Sabbath and we don't have to, to take our Sabbath. And I, the perplexing thing is like, how many more things in my life am I going to discover because of my background, because of where I grew up that I'm going to go, oh my goodness, why, why couldn't I have seen this before? Why did people, why did people not show me this? Why, why could I not see it? And, and there's, there's trust in God, right? That God's going to provide that information when I need it. But still I just go when I experience that sort of life and I, that, that mind's eye opens up and I, and I see the connection of, of what God is doing, it just, it perplexes me and makes me sad that as people of Jesus, I, we're inevitable, we're doing it all the time. And yeah, I don't, I, that was a very long rambling way to say that it makes me sad that for a long time, I probably would have been the person to use this passage to justify not taking a Sabbath. And I'm not saying that that's everybody that would have been me as a very young, immature person, but it just, yeah, it, it makes me sad. I totally relate to that. You know, I've, we have a, a, a friend, Dan Langdon, and Dan Langdon has, has said to me often, or I've heard him say it to other people, uh, and I won't say just good, but basically being in a relationship with God is God always has more. And, and I mean, there's a lot of ways you can see this, but when he says, I'm giving you, I, I can provide for you this Ephesians 3, where he said, more than you ask or imagine. Mm. You know what I mean? So he's inviting you to use your imagination. Now, for some church settings, that alone is scandalous. What? Imagination? That has no place here. But he's saying, I challenge you to imagine, and I will do more. And so this dynamic of walking with God and feeling like you have less and less, oh, no, I can't do this, and I can't do that, you know? And I think that kind of drives, don't make me do a Sabbath too. I'm already giving up going to the club and, you know, I can't, I can't cheat on my taxes. You know, I mean, you're taking away all the fun stuff in life, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and I think it, it's, 
if our view is a walk with God is taking away more, like I have less and less and less, we need to understand that's not God's view. That's a humanly constructed view. Um, and it's based on uh, focusing on what God tells us not to do and not focusing on the why he tells us not to do it. Or, or focusing on the what he tells us to do and not focusing on the why. Because he says, I'll give you abundant life, but if your life, if you feel like my life is narrowing, it's the opposite of abundant, it's the opposite of increasing, it's the opposite of beyond my imagination. It, it's not, I'm not saying condemn yourself, I'm saying that's a good signal. Exactly what you're saying, that, that I'm, I, I should feel some sadness that I have an opportunity to have more and I'm settling with less. And and it's one thing for me to make a, a educated decision, say, I'm going to settle for less. But most of us, we've been tricked by the devil into thinking that what a walk with God is showing up at a place, doing worship in some way, giving our money there, and yeah. don't screw it up too bad. <laughs> that is not the walk with God. That's not what even Jesus showed. That There was a freedom he had to move in these settings. And, and the various things we've talked about, uh, this is more, you know, and so that's helped me and I'm working on it to think, okay, and, and we know this, if I eat better, if I have good exercise, if I have good rest, I will feel so much better. I will have a much more life in my life, you know, yes. and I think this is the thing. Will we trust God that, that he says, you've made the case so well, will we trust God with, I built this for you mm. and why would you stop eating good food if you have access to it and i'm saying you have access to rest you you're gonna have to prioritize differently but i think a key is understanding the why if i'm just doing it because well god tells me to i gotta do it no the why is i'm reconnecting with him yeah if it it, because if it if the why becomes well that's just what i'm supposed to do then it becomes death if the reason you go to church is because, well, that's just what I was told I, I had to do. And that's going to slowly kill you. If, if that's your reason for doing anything, anything involving God, even actually, I'm going to take that qualification off. If that's your reason for doing anything, going to work, playing, resting, having a family, falling in love, because that's just what you're supposed to do, or that's what I've been told I'm going to do. You are going to find death down that road. And man, I think, I think that's so... I think where you and I, Jason, we live in, you know, in, in 21st century America and we are saturated in a culture that tells us to get more, to achieve more, to um, to find more. In fact, this is a, a John Mark Comerism, if that's the proper way of saying it. He'll, he'll talk about how when we watch TV and there are commercials, I only see commercials during like football games because I don't have cable or anything like that. But the vast majority of commercials that you see are people resting. It's people at a party. It's people watching a game together, sharing a beer. You know, the vast majority of times when some, when a, when people are depicted in commercials, it's because it's they're doing something restful. They're not usually it's not people working. If it's working, they're stressed in the commercial. Mm. And and I think it's so ironic because we all know this to be the case. Like even the advertisers trying to sell us stuff. It's basically trying to get us to work more so we can buy their stuff knows that we need rest. And they're trying to tell us that we need these specific things to rest. In fact, there's there's studies that have been done that show that basically for the average American worker, there's a there's a certain point of hours where you become the, like the law of diminishing returns happens, where if you work beyond 60, 70 hours, your product productivity is going to take a nosedive. And this is where I talk about the the working and the um, resting being written in the fabric of who we are we're beginning to see that that's the case with science that we need rest in fact you and i were before this podcast started we were talking about why is lebron james playing until gonna play until he's 40 why is tom brady throwing touchdown passes at 43 it's because they invest so much money into their bodies i think lebron james last year invested about 1.5 million dollars in maintaining and and caring for his body and if we're not obviously if anybody is listening to this that has the capability to do that please reach out because we want sponsors (laughs) no but i I think this is so i just think this is so 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 big and so important um i this might be a little tangent that mike cut out i was uh i had read this book maybe a year and a half ago by john mark comer on on the sabbath and i man i fell in love with it i studied it a lot and i was going to teach my youth group we're we're going to go through the book on Wednesday nights and we're going to talk about it because yeah, we've talked a lot about reading your Bible often. And yeah, we've talked about a lot about praying, but the Bible talks a lot more about, uh, 
you know, practicing Sabbath and it talks about reading your Bible every morning. That's just, that's just the reality. And I had a meeting with the parents beforehand and I, and, and one of the, like the parents were super concerned that we were talking about it, that what they heard was that I was going to teach their kids, like some of the parents were concerned that I was going to teach the kids to be lazy or that what God wanted for them was to, you know, to not work, was to be, you know, was just to be sleeping and resting and napping all day. And and I think, man, that speaks so much, one, to the culture that we live in, that any hint of you you need to take a break, you need to rest, is seen as dishonorable or is not right. Man, that that view that I've held is, is just, is completely toxic. And the thing that, the thing that I draw on from that story was I had learned this stuff maybe two months before and I had about a day or two where I was going th- in my head. I'm just going to these parents. How could you not understand how important this is? You're, you're killing your kids. You're going to, you're leading them into this terrible situation. And then I go, Oh, I thought the same way that they did two months. I thought the same thing that they, same way that they think now two months ago. And so kind of going along with what the, the question I, my perplexing it is, it's a good reminder to go, okay, God has me where he has me for a reason and he has them where he has them for a reason. And I can encourage them with, if I'm in a particular area, maybe God has revealed something to me. I can encourage them in that particular area. Like we talked about last week with Parker, am I worried about them? Am I worried about what they think about God or their relationship with God or their views on God because I want them to have the right picture or the right view, or is it because it makes me feel better about myself? Okay, so maybe just kind of a fun wrap-up I think would be kind of cool. Um, for anybody that hasn't practiced practiced this, I would just say, like, maybe let's brainstorm um, some things that we might not think are Sabbath-related or rest-giving and just give you permission. So it's like, hey, it's you're listening to this on Monday afternoon or whatever, and you're like, you know what, I want to try to practice Sabbath at some point this weekend. What's what's a what's a life-giving, restful um restful practice that you can do that's not just simply reading the bible or you know whatever even though that's good and a part of it mm-hmm. well and we can even talk about what are restful ways to read the bible yes yeah, so uh, and good I, too. I would say in a general sense there is something about consuming a lot of bible content so if you if you are a daily bible reader trying to read the bible in a year or, or whatever pacing there is something about taking in a lot of data but just realize that's one way mm-hmm. and it's primarily not restful unless you just read fast or can consume a lot of um, information quickly and and not just consume, but really retain it and, and absorb it well. Um, a practice like Lectio Divina, where you, where you read a passage and then you rest, and you're asking yourself slightly different questions, and you can Google Lectio Divina. That's how it's how I pronounce it, at least. Um, but but you read the same passage, usually a short passage, several times, and just let God teach you. So that can be restful. Um, I would say in general, the the practice of of gratitude, the practice of joy. You know, and, and it, we, it can come down to accounts for blessings, which, which that's, it's saying the same thing, but really sitting in it. The, the key is creating a space, uh, no matter what you're doing, creating a space where you're inviting God just, just to rest in him. That, that's it. That's success. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to rest in God. And, but these techniques are, how do we fill the time? Because our mind wants to, because in a perfect yeah. world, you could just be able to sit and think God, and, and and think about God, and or just be at peace and clear your mind. But most of us, our minds are running so much. These techniques help. So if you think of of a practice of joy, and think of God, here's all the ways you brought joy to me this week. Here's all the things I'm grateful for. And obviously in November, a lot of people do thankfulness exercises. It doesn't have to be a hundred things. It could be one thing. You know, sometimes I'll think, and this is I don't know if this I think I find it restful. The, the fact I'm talking into, I'm just picking into a microphone. How much do I have to be grateful for for the microphone, the person that it, that it thought about it first, the person that that did the work, all the people, all the things that God has done? God, it just fills me with exuberance. Mm-hmm. This amazing thing that's a microphone, you know. And so, to me, those are things that that jump out. I have more. What would you add? So I'm just going to speak kind of from from personal experience, some, some more practical things. And I think I think if you're going to practice Sabbath, eat good food. I think I think practicing Sabbath on a diet is going to be pretty rough for you. I think I think I think in my ideal Sabbath, there's a lot of pasta, there's a lot of there's a lot of dairy. There, you know, there's very few people who are going to be be able to practice keto on a 
on a on the Sabbath. Sorry, sorry no, to our celiacs no. and our lactose intolerance. Anyway, go no, on. Hannah, <laughs> Hannah's celiac and she eats plenty of pasta. But I, I think I think that's a very real thing. I think enjoying like good food. God mm-hmm. gave the sense of taste for a reason, and being able to to sit with a meal with people that you love. Um, and it's a little harder harder during COVID time. But I think you know one of the things that we can do on Sabbath is we can be around people that we love and that we enjoy. Last Friday, this wasn't a part of my quote unquote Sabbath plan, but we ended up going and, um, and having a meal at Hannah's parents' house with her, um, brother and sister-in-law and, and our little niece. And it's really funny watching that experience morph over the four years that I've been married to Hannah for the first three years. When we went over to her parents' house, her dad's a youth minister for those who don't know. And, so he always has some sort of game he always wanted to play. He'd always have some sort of like, you know, fun little game. And they usually weren't too competitive, but they're really engaging and really fun. And so we would play games like constantly. We'd go over to their house and we'd just laugh and play and, and you know, get joke mad at each other when somebody messed up the game. And it was just this it was a joyous thing that we would do all the time. And when our niece was born about a year ago, that completely shifted and stopped and so there's a sabbath practice of joy and and playing games together and laughing and now we were over there this past friday night and so much of the joy and and the resting that that family finds is being able to look at this one-year-old little girl and see oh we saw her a week ago and she's learned this new thing now or her personality is developing in this way and just rejoicing in who she is becoming and, and and the health that god has given her and the development that she's taking and so how we practice Sabbath is necessarily going to change based on any number of circumstances. So, man, I would say food, family, friends, laughter. Um, there are things that God has put inside of you that you um, have deep passions for. And so I would plumb the depths of those because for some people, like, you know, their rest and their Sabbath might not be, maybe for you, the most resting thing is to be able to get on your, maybe not in the middle of winter, but get on your lawnmower and just mow your lawn and just be able to smell the grass and just take it all in and just and be able to rest in the goodness of God. Maybe that's your thing. For me, that sounds like hell, but it could be really restful for you. I, I would say just as a general recommendation, anything that helps get us away from the achieve more, get more, do better mindset that we are being told to chase the other six days of the week. I, I think anything that can get us away from that perspective is ultimately going to be really helpful helpful for us in the most important way, and that, that's drawing us closer to Jesus. And so, um, yeah, I would love if any of you practice um, a Sabbath. I would love to hear what your ide- ideal day looks like. What are some ways that you practice the Sabbath? Uh, because yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm genuinely fascinated in that. We want to thank you for listening today. If you would like to get in touch with us, and we certainly would love that, uh, you can reach us at our website, amazedandperplexed.com, or email us email us at amazedandperplexed at gmail.com. Uh, but we just want to keep encouraging you. Again, our goal uh, is for you to explore this with God. And so whatever we say, we hope that stimulates, and just know we would appreciate the same from you. What is it that God has done in your life that brings you rest? Uh, that blesses you because that may be the very thing that we're needing.